All right, everyone. How you doing? I am Sergio from the Dodgeball Podcast, and here with me I have. Uh, I'm Max Golder. Uh, I'm. Uh, I have many many tasks in dodgeball. I'm the press, current president of the European Dodgeball Federation, but I'm also uh, in the head group of uh, the national organization in Austria, where I'm from. That's the Austrian Dodgeball Association, as well as I'm a player and. An organizer in my club in Vienna, which are the Dodgeball Ninjas Vienna. So shout out to them as well. And <laughs> besides that, I've uh, also been tapped into the WDBF organization as a continental representative for Europe uh, and have their um, tasks uh, to deal with uh, on their executive board, as well as recently um, been trying to get the technical committee, which uh, concerns, um, which deals with rules and everything that comes from that so i'm involved there as well so i i guess you could say i'm i'm multitasking in the in the world of dodgeball a bit <laughs> um that sounds like you wear a lot of hats and you're definitely the perfect one to have on for um for this episode we're gonna this is gonna be a two-part episode where i talked to max in um this episode regarding euros this past the return to euros so to speak we haven't had it in two years and the first first one we've had now would be two weeks ago took place in uh probably gonna say this name wrong drachkin drachten <laughs> okay you know what i'm american we're just gonna forgive that <laughs> accent butcher but um yeah we're gonna talk about that we're gonna talk about you know the logistics and organization side of things it might get a little nerdy and i've been warned about that ahead of time but i make no apologies for it so I want to talk to Max. Uh, so before Euros, how did do you remember where you were when you heard this Euros was going to happen and what your expression was, first impression? Um, well, yes, uh, I kind of know because we we tried to make it after the first um, COVID appearance. Uh, we we had one tournament actually right before, so in in the spring of 2020. It was like February or February, March. We had a, uh, um, a regional tournament with uh, national teams competing in Switzerland. And right at that time, the first COVID thing appeared. And we had scheduled in the, the, the Euros in Netherlands already. So, so we had made the plans and, and everything was in motion. And then obviously that got postponed. And then we said, yeah, let's do it in the fall. It's not going to be, uh, this will pass and we can do it in the far. Then we postponed it a year and suddenly a year became two and that kind of stuff. So it was always like trying, okay, now is the window we can, where we can make it happen. Now is the window where we can make it happen. And it was never possible. Um, so then a, a bit, there was a bit of frustration obviously going on um, because everybody wanted to have the European Championships. Um, but when we finally knew, like everybody learned to, to cope with COVID and learned how to approach it and learned and the vaccination program started and that kind of stuff. So then we really said, okay, well, I think there is now a date where it's possible. And, um, then we, we had a meeting again with the Dutch Federation and we said, okay, let's, let's do it in, in July of 22. And, uh, everybody agreed and it's like, let's do it. And from that on. From that moment on, we were all hyped to, to have it back up after such a long time. Yeah, um, I can say this as a fan who's been watching since 2013, um, staying up super early <laughs> to watch it on my time. That it, it was definitely a beautiful thing to see. So before we talk about the event itself, um, can you describe uh, Drochkin as a drop? I'm going to butcher it. I'm going to get a lot of people messaging me about this. Uh, can you describe Drochkin about um, the the vibe, the city, why that was chosen? Yeah, sure. So so you don't have to know Drachten. It's it's a very small community um, in the north of the Netherlands. Um, the nearest town is Groningen, uh, where actually most of the players stayed. Mm. It was chosen just because it's an awesome venue. And uh, it was um, in from from a cost perspective, from a budget perspective, it was the right choice. Um, because the alternatives, you could have done it in Amsterdam, you could have done it in Rotterdam or in Groningen itself. But um, when we saw the options, the venue options and the event options, um, Drachten just had the best the best um, total package 
for a tournament. Um, so yeah, that's why it happened there. And uh, in the end, it turned out to be the right car. Um, but I, I'm I'm sure that in other sports halls or other cities, it would have been just as fantastic as this one has been. Uh, but yeah, it was a it was a really really um, calm feeling. Uh, uh, I would say I would describe it because um, really flat surroundings, a lot of space, a lot of um, green, a lot of water. So uh, very relaxing environment outside the hall and then very intense environment <laughs> inside. Um, so it was a good mix. Um, but yeah, so if you have the chance to go to the Netherlands and if you have the chance to vacation, I can definitely recommend. It's not that far anyways from, from the sea. So if you just drive half an hour further, then you're at the sea. For sure. Um, and I will definitely say um, the venue did come across well on stream. So props to everyone on that end. Um, what, what would you say your biggest concerns going into it as far as, you know, from an organizer perspective, would it be more so the play level of the players, maybe potential for injuries because this has been a while, um, maybe COVID restrictions from the variety of countries coming in? Like, what would you say your biggest concern was going into it? And how did you adjust to it if it ever did come up? Yeah, so the two concerns, obviously, the one concern obviously was COVID because you never knew what governments um, put out for regulations. So you have countries that have a, a um, more laissez-faire approach, more relaxed approach. And f for instance, in the US, I, I, as far as I'm informed, um, there, is, there is no real restrictions in, 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 in sporting competitions at the moment, I believe, but correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and you have countries that are stricter and tougher and you still need to have um, testing and you still need to have uh, vaccination requirements and, and, and so on. So that's obviously in the back of everybody's head as an organizer to say, okay, what measures do we take? Do we have to have um, medical... Um, uh, how do you say? Um, yeah, do you have to deal with that or do you need to take care of that? And and as it turned out, the the, restri the governmental restrictions were none at the time we were there. So that was um, fortunate from a perspective of organizing. Um, the, sec the second thing was obviously the finances because we know dodgeball organizations in Europe, they are, they are not, it's not a recognized sport. So we always have to be aware of that. And therefore funding is not not available for most of the participating nations. So if we ask a nation to come and take part in Euros, players need to pay themselves. And after COVID, obviously, nobody knew how financially stable are the players, how financially stable are the organizations, can they afford to travel, can they afford to, I don't know, spend hundreds of euros on, on just four days of, of, of more or less free time because nobody gets paid for it. Mm. And how will, how will poorer nations react? Because it's always... We have a lot of small nations in Europe that have dodgeball programs um, that are not from the rich side. If you go to uh, to the east, if you look at Romania, Bulgaria, if you go to the south, you look at the Balkan region. So we have dodgeball growth there, but it's very, very um, financially uh, hard for some of them. And so that was the second concern that we had. Can we even get everybody to Euros? Can we even get them there? And because Netherlands is, is quite under quotes, quite uh, one of the more expensive regions, I would say. Mm. Um, so, and then we see like, yeah, how are you looking? How are you doing Croatia? How are you doing Hungary? And and that, that kind of nations. But um, yeah, we managed to get almost everybody there. And that was a huge relief in the end you know, to see to see everybody really wanting this and then saying, yeah, we're going to save up or we're going to try to get and funding and that kind of stuff. Definitely. Um... So this is going to be more of like a fantasy-related question. Uh, what country would you like to see make a Euros event? And do you know of if they're any closer to making their Euros debut, so to speak? Because as far as I'm concerned, pardon me if I'm wrong, but I don't. This is Spain's first time, right? In Euros, uh, second time. Second time. Okay, well, it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what European country would you like to see uh, at the event that hasn't been at the event? Um, like playing or hosting? Playing, playing, yeah. Or or hosting, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about playing. Yeah, well, playing, obviously, I want to see every member nation playing. I mean, that's that's the goal, right? So if you have right. member nations, you want everybody to be there. So unfortunately, some of our member nations haven't had the chance yet or haven't had the possibilities yet. 
I'm really eager to see what um, the Georgian Association, for instance, um, can contribute to, to our little community. Um, they have been with the WDBF organization for quite some time, but they haven't had the chance to play Euros. So that would be nice to see. Um, as well as the, we have a really, really new recent member nation from Denmark. Um, that would be great to see that the, the Danish people play. And uh, obviously Norway. Norway has been now member for three years, but due to COVID hasn't had the chance to play Euros. They have been playing at WDBF World Championships. Um, so that would be what would be really interesting to see. And new, new, new nations or new players are always, always really, really good um, to get to grow our community, to grow the tournament, to grow the sport. And it's for every national program, it's a boost. So when you when you look at past Euros to say, yeah, if you're new, you, you don't really win in the beginning, many games or games in general. But you get the excitement, you get the spirit, you get um, you get to know the people, and they're just um, excited, and they bring that back home, and then with that excitement, this spreads, and they make their own tournaments, and they grow, and they train, and they get better, and they return, um, and that's had has happened with everybody. Like uh, when I compare it to us, we were, we our program began like in 2012, like 10 years ago where we made just a fun tournament at the sports university it was like daniel our president had the idea to say yeah let's make a dodgeball tournament he saw the movie obviously and and he mm -hmm. had known known it and um i was at the sports university the same um same as him but he was from a different uh year and he was like passing in the hallway and it's like hey i'm gonna make a dodgeball tournament you want to play and i obviously knew uh, also knew it um, obviously, I knew it um, because I've been to the to the U.S. in my youth um, for uh, language practices, and I encountered it there. I was like, "Yeah, I know that. I'm definitely gonna play that." And from that tournament, we made another one, and made another one, and then suddenly, the European Dodgeball Federation of that time reached out to us because they see they saw online activity, and it was like, "Okay, that's interesting. You can have a national team, you can have uh, international competition, and then." It grew and when we got there this excitement i was talking before um then spread to our players spread to our everybody who was involved and from that the national program started so i know how that works and it's really really good to see it in the new nations just have the same is happening and so that's why yeah it, the, the more new nation come to euros the better and in the beginning it's not about like results and it's not about winning um, it's just about excitement and, and, and celebrating the sport. And to the second part of the question, uh, obviously, I, we want to have uh, new nations host as well or newer nations host as well, um, because we don't want just to have the same four nation hosting. And it's like, OK, this time it's Britain, this time it's France, this time it's Austria, and then it's back to Britain and France and Austria and, and, and so on. So we want to have a Euros in Spain. We want to have a Euros in Sweden. We want to have a Euros everywhere in, on the continent. Uh, that's why we actively chose to go to the Netherlands. Uh, they were they are also newer. And next year, we're going to go to Croatia. Yeah? And we know it's going to be a task. And we know it's going to be work. And we know it's going to be harder to do a Euros in Croatia than to do a Euros in London, let's say. Because they have the infrastructure. They have the money. Everything would be fine. But we actively said now we want to go to new regions because it helps the national program. It's good for everybody. Um, there's new environments, new spirits, new people, and and that's just good. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm like 90% certain I'll be there next mm. year. Um, definitely looking forward to it. Whether it's in Croatia, whether it's in Barcelona, whether it's in Liechtenstein, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> anywhere. Yeah, anywhere is, is taking place. Another, another pronunciation correction. It's Liechtenstein. Liechtenstein. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. Because um, I'm definitely going to get a lot of people. I'm, I'm not going to cut this mistake in post, just for the record. It's going to be funny for the people who hear it, but it's also going to be like, no, it's Le Liechtenstein. Le Liechtenstein. Liechtenstein. Okay. You know. uh, it, it, it'll come to me, Max. Give me time. <laughs> Because uh, one of my goals is either to um, 
obviously I want to be there in Croatia, but one of my goals is to um, either commentate or be like a sideline reporter mm-hmm. coming from the States doing this podcast. Uh, I feel like I'm probably the only person in the country, maybe one of three people who stay up at five in the morning to watch these events or, or wake up super early. So uh, it'd be cool to take part of it. And there's a beauty in every Euros that I've seen where it's like, you know, Euros 2014, Euros 2015, the host always has their own signature on the event. Like there's always something about the event that you remember. Mm. So with that, what do you feel like the overall impression that the Netherlands left behind with this event? Um, I think, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's hard to say it's just one. I think, um, a general feeling of uh, gratitude that we could return to international play would be my answer, I guess. Because everybody was just so relieved and everybody was just so happy just to be back. And with the Netherlands organization, I mean, they there, there wasn't really a, a particular theme, I would say, to this tournament um, mm-hmm. rather than return to play. So I think everybody, every, every, everything stood under this umbrella of return to play, and be happy about it that 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 is happening again. And with that, a lot of pressure was relieved from everybody. So there was no real. I mean, obviously at the top there were nations were competing and there is they were fighting for the title and there was high level dodgeball presented and everybody trained for it and so on. But I would say. Mo- the majority of teams was like, um, yeah, we are back. We we can play again on this level. It's we can travel again, uh, more or less uh, without problems. I mean, <laughs> uh, maybe with some problems, but um, so this is happening again. And that that feeling, like traveling as a team, putting on your national jerseys, um, that kind of stuff, meeting like-minded people in the sports hall that understand uh why you're throwing a ball at another person for fun uh, <laughs> and not just like, trying to explain to non-dodgeball people why that's a good thing <laughs> um i think that that shared feeling uh of yeah we all love that i think that just made for a really positive vibe throughout the four days so i i i had like I had some tasks over there, not not that that many that I was like constantly had to do to work stuff, but some tasks. But in between the tasks, I was like constantly talking to people. I was like, hey, there's Matteo from Italy. Hey, there's Tamara from Czech Republic. Hey, there is uh, Peter from Netherlands. Hey, and it was going on and on and on, just not with my team, but with everybody, just because you're so happy to see them again. And you're just so happy to have the community back in one place. So, yeah, I mean, that's a bit of a long answer of uh, how to explain happiness of return to play. But uh, that was the vibe. The vibe was um, very positive and not so much, not, I wouldn't say 100% competition driven, but 100% community driven with uh, the top teams also caring for the competition. For sure. And um, kind of a spoiler alert, uh, Matteo is going to be my next interview. So stay tuned for that. Uh, definitely been wanting to talk to him for the past couple months and we're going to make it happen. And he's a really great guy. So that's it's going to be a good interview. Oh, for sure. Um, but also, I wanted to kind of go over something for you. I, I know you got I know you, you know, help organize everything. You had a lot of hats that you pretty much <laughs> have worn throughout the four days, which I'm pretty sure you're you know, re- relaxing at this point, but there is an element of Austrian pride that I know you have with that being said, how does it feel that, that Austria finished in the top three and meddled in, I was it women's? Yeah. We, we, uh, we won the women's, we finished second in the mix and we finished third in the men's. How does it feel having that top three finish across? <laughs> really, really good. Really good. So, um, there I need to 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 to, to uh, uh, explain a bit a bit further <laughs> sure. if I can say. So, like when you go back in 2018, um, we we won the, the then WDA World Championships in the men's, 
um, in New York, if you recall the tournament, yes, uh, which was the, uh, the 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 other world organization, and there we didn't like. Okay, I need to go back further. So <laughs> 2017 till 2017, we didn't win with men's anything. So our women obviously is our strongest side um, because they they have won European Championships since 2016. Um, and then the men obviously also wanted to reach that level in their competition, where in 2016 we finished third, uh, and in the mix as well. So uh, there was a lot of um, I don't know uh, eagerness to to get to to the, to the number one spot from from the men's squad. So we finally made that happen in 2018 with the then World Championships of WDA. And also made that happen in 2019 with the European Championships, where we actually managed to win the Trevor, where we finished first in all three competition at the European Championships. So that being said, so like that was like there, okay, now you reach the goal, now you're on the top spot in every in all three competitions, and then COVID comes, and you have a three years break, and you don't really know. You don't really know what happened um, with the other teams. You don't see them playing. There is no streams. There is no leagues. There is no trainings. And if there are, you don't see them. So you, you don't really know where everybody's at. And you don't really know how how good are your own players still. And how, what, what can you expect from the tournament? So it would be, it was like, you cannot go into this tournament to say it's like, okay, we're going to defend our three titles and we're going to be disappointed if we lose. So that's just not a possibility because uh, you just can't say. You just have to play and find out. And so we did play and we found out that we can still compete for number one in the women's, which we did and w which we won. So that's that's nice. And we then lost um, fair and square in the mixed uh, to a better Northern Ireland side. And we lost in, in the men's division fair and square to a better England side. And so that was like, okay. That's fine. I mean, they obviously have trained more or they improved more or we got worse. That's still something for us to figure out or maybe both happened. <laughs> you, you don't know. But it, overall, I would say it's it's a really, 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 really good um, result if you finish first, second and third. Um, the, the nation or the organization that complains about these results, I don't think understands sports very well. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so from from our side, so yeah, okay, we now know there is uh, one or two teams better than us, and we will try to f um, shrink the gap again and try to compete for number one again. But now we know where we stand, and we ha we can now train and we can now get better and next tournament um, try to compete for number one again. So overall, from, from Austrian performance, I would say I'm really happy with with everything that has been shown. Um, I'm a bit biased towards the men's because I'm head coaching the men's. Mm -hmm. um, so that's my primarily focus in analyzing and that kind of stuff. Uh, and we have other guys and other girls that are that are coaching the other teams. So yeah, um, but it's 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 great. And I mean that those were really high level games. Um, if you watch and I'm now uh, you definitely have watched uh, the finals and if for a, for the listeners out there if you haven't you should definitely watch these finals and semi-finals and third place games in my 10 years of cloth dodgeball i've never seen this high level of cloth dodgeball competition um, especially like the games between northern ireland england austria these finals and semi-finals i was really surprised on what level after this break um was shown from how how fast, how accurate, how precise, how intense you can play a cloth dodgeball game, and that was really, really, really amazing, uh, just to watch and be part of. Uh, even though we lost, but uh, as I said before, we lost fair and square. The 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 teams that we lost to, they were just better in this tournament. I mean, you also have to think about it like this: everyone had the same amount of time off, give or take. Yeah. I mean, maybe some countries came back a month or two before another, but essentially the, the playing field was leveled. Yeah, 100%. It, it was 100%. two and a half, maybe two, yeah, about two and a half years off, almost three. And you guys essentially finished top three across the board. So that in itself is an achievement that most people would take highly and yeah. most people <laughs> should respect for sure. 
I mean, I'm sure, of course, you guys want to go for the trouble and get all the gold, and I'm sure we'll find out <laughs> next year if that happens, and uh, hopefully I'll be there for that. Um, but what would you say, other than the high-level le- high plays and, the high, um, you know, all the – you know, the meet and greets and the reunions that you had, what would you say your biggest takeaway uh, was from this past Euros? Um, well, aside from that, um, the first thing I would really like to mention is the improvement of, of, of everybody. So when I compare Euros per year, like from seven, 16 to 17 to 18 to 19 and now to 22, um, you always see nations improving and that's just fascinating and that's just really great to see because I remember when Spain in 2019, they joined for the first time and they were not winning many sets. Uh, they didn't win a game. So now they come back and they're now winning games. And it's like, whoa, and they're really playing on another level than before. Same happening to other nations. I mean... One really surprising fact was for me uh, was France. France really improved over the last three years. And they are now beating teams they haven't beaten in 2019. Um, also other nations uh, that you don't have on, on your radar. Not like from top three level, but from fourth to tenth. Uh, for a long time, you could always say, oh, okay, now this is top one, two. This is top three, four. This is five, six, seven. Um, but this is now shifting. Uh, Netherlands and Sweden, they have won games I wouldn't have wouldn't have expected them to win. And and it's getting closer. So it's it's narrowing down uh, where it's at some levels it's anybody's game, which is really, really good. And the second part, nobody loses 50 to Syria anymore. So that's also really important because if a new nation comes in and they play England, for example, then they lose by a lot. But now at this Euros, there was not this blowout wins. So that, that didn't happen. Obviously, there were games where there's a huge point difference because one team is way better than the other. That's fine. But it's not uh, a destruction. So there were also the, the worst team does win sets. And some sets are really close. And there is uh, good competition and good quality uh, within the sets and within the, the players' decisions and within the dodgeboard that's actually shown. So that would be my my third takeaway to, uh, yeah, top-level competition surprised me, um, how good it was. Um, general atmosphere and reunion and return to play was the, a really great vibe. That would be the second. And thirdly, definitely um, the the improvement of the, let's call them middle-stage nations. Uh, yeah. That I would say like from fourth to tenth, uh, roughly. Um, so that would that's my third uh, thing that definitely needs mentioning. That's definitely something I was going to highlight uh, next. Um, uh, for someone who's watched the event for a long time, you would have your like you know your elite, let's say four, and then your middle tier, which would probably be two or three, and then everyone else are like the minnows. This year, it seemed like with the return to play, there weren't that many, if any, minnows at all. Like there was a bunch of, of course, you have your standard elite um, European nations across the board, but then you had everyone underneath who were essentially dogfighting every single chance. Like, I didn't, maybe there was one or two games that were a blowout that I can't really recall, but every, every match from men's women's to mix, it seemed like everyone just came back with a vengeance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know but I mean? that, that's good, right? So that's, and that, that's, and that's a great, it's a great thing. I mean, I guess mm. from a fan's perspective, one of the biggest concerns I had other than will we see a rash of injuries or something was what would the quality look like upon the return? And it looks like if anything, it's improved now, maybe, you know, it improved because people were more prepared. Maybe people knew say six months in advance, like, okay, now we know what we're up, you know, it's going to happen. There's no need to worry about any cancellations or anything. We know it was going to happen. And, um, Another highlight I would say is if if, the, if if anyone was watching in the stream, sometimes when you see like the the the, um, the fans, it seemed more festive. Like people yeah, were just yeah, cheering yeah. nonstop. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So so, but that that's something like the the European dodgeball community is really really proud of and um, gives a, a high level of value to it. 
um, because we really emphasize on 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 the on the community spirit. So um, and I need to, to to elaborate elaborate a bit more on this, of course, um, because I would I would compare it a bit to to beach volleyball. So if you if you have a beach volleyball competition, there's always a huge party element to it, and there's always a huge crowd involvement to it, and in there is basically no being against one team. So you're yeah. either for this team or for that team, or you're just there to, to enjoy the show and you don't care who wins. And then that's why you party. Um, so that kind of vibe, I think, is really, really important also for the game of dodgeball. Um, and that's more or less uh, why... Uh, no, it's not one more. That's uh, more or less necessary because dodgeball is a game that really, 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 really and I'm saying really again, <laughs> depends on the fair play element. So you have a game where you play with five bars or six bars, whichever format you want to use, um, simultaneously. So if you have that, you cannot see everything. Uh, even if you have 12 referees and 23 slow motion cameras, you still <laughs> won't get um, everything correct and see every line forward and see every... Um, deflection, slight hit on on your just on your shirt or on your hair, so you just don't see that or you don't get wind of that. So, what needs to happen in this sport is you have to have a level of fair play and you have to have a level of camaraderie, community, and all that kind of stuff together, so that players and teams and people and spectators all know and embrace this um, spirit. Otherwise, it doesn't work. If you approach dodgeball like football or uh, soccer for American listeners, um, it just don't work. You cannot just go out when the referee tells you. You cannot just complain all the time. That's not possible. I mean, you yeah. can, but then the sport won't grow and then the sport will lose interest. So I think many of the, the players and uh, people in Europe have realized that and are trying to embrace that as well. And that's why it's a, a cheerful, just a cheerful environment at Euros all the time, um, because uh, we honor that. And if the crowd recognizes, like, if, if you're standing in the crowd, just uh, take an example, and you see a throw, and you see it pass a player, it's like, okay, there was no hit, it just passed him. And then you see him raise the hand and go off, even if the referee hasn't um, shown him out, then everybody is really applauding and everybody is excited because they just, um, uh, how do you say, they're just valuing that and they're just really, really respecting that. And that kind of energy uh, just makes it, I guess, special in a way, um, these European tournaments. Obviously, it's not 100%. I have to add that. And obviously, you will we'll always have this one or two or three or four guys or girls that, might not follow that code and might not follow the spirit, but that's just how life is. Um, because there is in life, there is never a hundred percent in everything that you do, but we make it our, let's say we, we give it a, we give it a really high priority um, to have that happen. And another example would there would be there. We really try to say, try to teach everybody or try to let everybody know. We also don't want to have booing. So it sometimes occurred that the audience, may, for whatever reason, um, start to boo. And then you you would see, it's not like, not me, but you would see a player from, let's say, I don't know, Belgium, go over to a, to a spectator who is booing and saying like, hey, we don't do that here. Um, please don't do that. And that kind of stuff. And that really makes me proud to, to, to witness that because that's just uh, a really, really um, sportsmanship-like approach. I would say that's a very interesting uh, take. I never heard it brought out like that because I mean, obviously we all come from a variety of sporting backgrounds. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. you know, me coming from football, American football, basketball, okay. martial arts, whatever you often hear that and not necessarily in a derogatory sense. You know what I mean? Like sometimes let's say, for example, I could be rooting for the Lakers and someone roots for the Celtics. You're not necessarily, I mean, you have some, let's be fair. You will have some fans who will take it further, but you, you also have your fans who will boo a certain call or, you know, cheer for their team loudest. But with Dodgeball, and you kind of brought it up earlier, it's a, it was a very much like a festive feel. 
where you're enjoying the game. And I think you made a perfect example with beach um, volleyball. Uh, I live 20 minutes away from the beach, and I can tell you that every on any given Saturday or any given Sunday, it's the same kind of vibe. You know, people, yeah, they'll have people rooting for this team or that team or the this pair or that pair, but it's essentially we're just there to have a good time, enjoy enjoy yeah, ourselves. But it's it's a decision, right? So if you see yeah. if you see that it works in certain sports, that you can exclude booing and that you can exclude like negativity, and you see examples of that, then for your sport it's a choice. You can say, well, I would like to have it like this, or yeah, I would like to have it like that. And in the European dodgeball community, the majority or basically everybody agreed, yeah, we want to have it like this because we like it more. I mean, it's just more fun yeah. that way. Yeah. And I would agree. And I, I never heard anyone mention beach uh, volleyball in the sense, but that was a perfect analogy because you never see that. And I could say that, again, I, I live not too far from the beach. I can go to the beach essentially any time on the weekend and yeah. see this consistent environment that I would see at a Euros or an yeah. NEC or a friendly between this nation and that nation involving Europe. I think you guys pretty much hit the nail on the head, so to speak, mm. as far as the consistent environment that you'd like to see. Well, I find it pretty interesting because we obviously – we. I'm a, a sports guy through and through. So I've, I've studied sports, I've watched sports, I've played sports. Um, so I always try to look in every direction from different sports, what elements are different, what elements are new, what can you try to implement in certain ways and, and stuff. So, and there, there's a lot that you can borrow from other sports in terms of um, what you want to have and how you want to build your sport, so to say. Um, so that one, obviously, the, the vibe and the positivity and the cheers and the support, we obviously go in the direction of beach volleyball just because we, we want to have it like that. Um, but also you have like elements, like I mentioned before, with fair play that, that work in other sports. Um, so my, my go-to example for that um, is, is, is snooker. I, I know not many people are, there are a few people that might not consider this a sport. <laughs> so that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> You're gonna get a lot of messages just for the record. That's fine. I mean, that's that's fine. So we can then you can argue about darts and you can argue about chess and whatnot. But um, so I would consider snooker a sport. So I would just leave it at that. That's fair. And and if you watch if you watch a game of snooker or if you watch the pro leagues and and the best players in in the world, they have such a high level of fair play and the honor system that is, in my view, not seen in any other um, competition format. And there are professional athletes. They earn money through playing. They are sponsored. They are on TV. Their competition prize money is, uh, is, is really huge. And when they're playing a big tournament and they make a mistake that not even the referee sees, like if they touch a ball just with their elbow or stuff, they raise their hand and say, hey, I made a foul. You need to check that and the other guy is, 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 is playing. And if they don't do that, in the community of the players, there's such a misbehavior that this player will never be will not be invited to other tournaments again. So there is a really high level of fair play and honor system that's, in my view, not matched by any other um, competition format or sport. Um, so, But you see that it works. Even at the level where there's prize money and where there is uh, paid paid players and where there is sponsorships and where there is contracts and where people depend on money and stuff. Still then, you can have that. So what I take away from that is it's possible. It doesn't have to be like football, basketball, whatever. Yeah, so you can actively choose to be the, in, in that direction. And that's why I want to see dodgeball because it's it's just the only way how how the how the sport works. Uh, if you if you don't do it that way, if you don't if you can't bring the fair play and the honor system in dodgeball to a level where it's accepted by everybody, the sport will fail in my opinion, because it's just not manageable any other way. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's definitely definitely a lot of solid points. Um, I'm probably going to go into a little bit of a tangent. So is snooker what you call, uh, what we call pool or billiards? 
April? Uh, no, it's it's a different game. It's like, uh, but it's the same. You have a table and you have bars and you have to put him uh, with a queue into um, into into a hole. But it's uh, it's it's the, the hearts are smaller, smaller. The bars are smaller. The distance is wider. The table is bigger. So oh. pool billiard is is like the um, uh, smaller version of. I mean, it's it's not the same. You can. It's like they are it's like yeah. So you just Google it for everybody who doesn't know. Super. <laughs> well. I mean, it's big. It's big in the UK. Yeah, so that it is. Um, I can say that because um, I got to go to Belfast now. What two months ago? Yeesh, it's been a while. Uh, two months ago, and yeah. it was on TV like our version of Monday Night Football. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like it was just like a bunch of people just watching it. And I'm like, are we watching pool? What are we watching here? There's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more of a personal curiosity, if anything, that I just want to throw in there. But yes, if anyone wants yeah. to Google it, go right for it, because I'm probably going to butcher it in, again. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, definitely... it's, it's, if you if you've never played it, just try it, and you will find it really really hard in the beginning. And if you get some practice in, then you, I enjoy it. So I, I whenever like no not whenever, but like I say once a month um, if I find a partner to play. And then I'm heading for it, but it's again, in, it's it's big in the UK. It's okay in the rest of Europe, and I probably don't think that it's big in the US. Um, <laughs> but you got pool, and you got um, those kind of uh, similar sports, so that's fine. Yeah, similar sports <laughs> for sure. <laughs> or uh, not sports, however you want to rank it. It's, <laughs> it's it's anybody definition. So like, so like yeah, if if somebody comes up to me with a valid definition of what a sport is. I'm happy to hear it because I haven't heard it yet and I've studied it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah. it, I'll, I'll give my definition. My definition of sport is something that requires either physical or mental um, activity, mm-hmm. but with a level of proficiency that isn't, um, how do I say, that isn't easy to pick up. So let's say, for example, I come from a judo background. Mm-hmm. That's obviously a fighting style. It's a sport. Not everyone can do it, but if you train long enough, you can be proficient. Darts, that's a sport because not everyone can just throw it and hit the bullseye every single time. Even the pros don't do it, but they have a higher percentage than the average person that you see at the so, bar. So what, what, one measurement for you would be you um, through training, you can improve your skill. Yes. That would be one element of the definition, right? Yes. But it's not solely physical. So you It doesn't have to consider- be physical. Huh? It doesn't have to be physical. It, okay, chess so, so, is so, so in your in your mind, esports is also sports. Yes. Okay. So because a lot of people don't make a distinction here, so a lot of people, and I'm I, I'm not saying that I'd make the distinction, but for a lot of people, like if you take away the physical part, and it's just solely a mind component, and then we go in the direction of not just esports and maybe also like chess and other other um, games. That just require a, 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 a mind component that you can train and that you can better at and that you're yes. competing. Um, then you get in an argument where, uh, yeah, you don't have 100% agreement. I, yeah. I have to say that I learned that from experience. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, like it's just a sport, but in a different component. In our minds, and I don't know about European mindset, but I'll, I'll just speak for the American mindset. A lot of times, if it's not something you lift in the weights in the gym or do cardio, it's not really a sport. But I would argue that outside of dodgeball, at least among my friend group, I'm pretty solid at League of Legends and Halo. Mm -hmm. And it's because I've been playing it for most of my life. But for someone to say, oh, it's a video game, it's easy. I promise you, if you play me, it's It's not not going to be easy. (laughs) It's not going to be easy. I'm not going to say I'm a pro, but relative to the people I play against, I'm pretty efficient. So there's a lot of So then the question becomes, if you then say, okay, you consider mind and physical, um, both is fine for you. Then you, then you come inadvertently come to a point where you have to consider luck. So how, how much luck can be in an activity that you can still call it a sport. So for instance, if I, if I say, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna play a competition of throwing a coin, the nearest to the wall. Obviously, I can get better through training, but there is just still a huge percentage of luck. So can that ever be a sport? You know what I mean? No, no, it makes sense. Um, yeah. So it, that, that definition, 
is 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 hard. And then if you then consider, uh, for instance, games like poker, would you consider that a sport? Because it has the mind com component, it does have the training component, it has the competition component, but it also has a huge luck component. But so how does, how does huge is the luck component? That's the like, question. That's the that's question. The, how the question huge is, is it? Then it then it becomes okay because everything, even life, is an element of luck. Correct, correct. So if you play football and uh, you have a field goal to 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 do from I don't know 50, 40, 50 yards, so there's a luck component to that. I mean, there's a lot of skill, but how can you measure that? Would you say making a like for a professional kicker, uh, making a field goal from let's say 40 yards? Um, if he does it 10 times in a row, he probably will hit nine out of 10, but is that skill? Is that luck? How much luck is it? Is it 5% luck? Is it 3%? You cannot measure it. That's something that intangibles like that can't be measured, but when it becomes, when it becomes measurable to the point where you, you can see that luck is a majority factor, then you eliminate yeah. the fact that it could be a sport. Almost Again, like a coin flip. So, correct. So, but. But where, uh, it's problematic with some sports, it's more problematic. And with some sports, it's less problematic. I always give the example, and I know that's just a sport that is not done anywhere else but in, in Austria and Central Europe, which is uh, ski jumping. Mm. Yeah, so ski jumping is a sport where, in my view, is a really high percentage of luck because you have an outdoor sport and it's so dependent on wind. So if, like, if the wind comes just... I don't know, a bit further from down, you jump 10 meters wider. And three seconds, uh, three seconds later, the wind turns a bit and you jump 10 meters less. And then people are telling you, well, that guy is better than him because you jumped 10, 10 meters further. But the luck component about how the wind blows, in my opinion, yeah. is really huge. Yeah. So, but you cannot measure it. You cannot say how lucky is that? How lucky is that that he got this specific wind setting in this specific time of his jump? Um, so then it becomes a question: uh, Can you really measure it? And the community, like the the world community, accepts ski jumping as a sport. It's Olymp Olympic sport. It's uh, it's in the it's in the Winter Olympics. You have a national, you have international organization, that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, so that's just a deep dive in, in, in my, <laughs> my pursuit of trying to get a correct definition of sport. I'm happy if it's not getting answered, but if you're listening and you have an explanation for us, happy to read it. Uh, <laughs> Please drop it in the comments because uh, we went really deep into the weeds with this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so before we wrap up, I want to ask you, what are you looking forward to seeing in Croatia? Like, what is the biggest thing you're looking forward to seeing? And it, can, it doesn't have to be one answer. It could be multiple variety answers. It could be more nations, mm. a slightly higher level of play, maybe a, bit, a higher yeah. level of production. Like, what are you looking forward to that you would like to just run down the list on for next year? Uh, yeah, uh, that, that answer will take me a while. Um, <laughs> but that's fine. <laughs> so, obviously, number one thing is... Um, I would like, and that's that's a tough goal, I know that, but I would like to see every member nation be there and ideally with our three teams, like in the men's, in the women's, and in the mixed. Um, so that would be my personal primarily goal as from an EDF perspective. So I want to have everybody there. I want that every nation has uh, is with three teams and that we then have a full competition. Um, so that's obviously hard to achieve because we're working with, uh, again, as I said in the beginning, with a self-paying system. So every every organization, every national organization, I mean, they can get funding, obviously, but there is no like a continental European budget, so to say. So that's yeah. not happening and there is no contracts or sponsorships or partnerships on a European level. We're, uh, we are trying to work towards that but it's not, not huge enough. So the reach is fine at the moment. Um, and also the, the streaming numbers are okay. And the, the media output from the national organizations is on a level where we can be quite okay with it. Obviously, there's always room to improve. Um, but we're not there yet to say, I cannot go to like a, a 
European wide company, let's call it that, because I don't I, I can't go to like an Austrian local food company or hairdresser or car manufacturer and say, Hey, do you want to be a partner of the European Dodgeball organization? Because if you're just local, you don't have any benefits from there, like presenting your company and having the reach to an international audience. So that's uh, at least in my experience, it's it, it, it's not possible. So then what options do you have? Yeah, well, you can go to international comp uh, companies. It's like you can go to uh, a beer brewery that sells all over the world. You can go to whatever, software companies. There's a hundred thousand possibilities. But to them, you have to explain, well, okay, they will ask you, okay, what's your reach? Uh, how many TV time do you have? How many newspaper ads do you get? How many million views do you have on youtube and it's like well million <laughs> we're in in the thousands yeah and then do, 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 the phone ends uh, the phone conversation ends um, <laughs> so yeah we're not there yet to say we can help with that so then i will come back now to the point how do we get the people there well we try to make it as accessible as possible um so we're like okay if you come there we will have tried the national organization, have national deals, provide lower accommodation prices, provide um, travel options, try to help with everything in advance that you can plan. Because if you know six, if you know a year in advance where you're going to stay, you can better arrange stuff than if you just know two months in advance. So, um, yeah, all that kind of stuff is obviously um, a goal. To get everybody there and play uh second thing i would really really like to see is to get our um our streaming and our production value and our covering of the competition to to uh, continuously to a better and better standard um so i think the the stream was was really good in the netherlands i think it was fine it was the first time that we streamed all games so that, yes. has, that hasn't happened before. So that was always like, yeah, one card is streamed and the others are recorded or not recorded or not even mentioned. So for the first, I mean, it was the hiccups here and there and maybe some stream went down, but for a second or the scoring didn't work on card three or at the time wasn't correct and, and that kind of stuff. But we did manage, I would say that 90%, 95% of the games were streamed, uh, I would estimate. Um, so that was an achievement and that was a step forward. And in Croatia, I would really love to see an even better production standard and an even better stream and have commentators on every court, not just one. And have, uh, I don't know, maybe on the, on, on the main court, it's multiple camera angles. And maybe have a director who is cutting and we're getting near, um, nearer and nearer to a, to a production value that uh, is existing in other sports. Um, because that's the value we have. I think the the value the European Championships have is the quality of games and the games itself. And to have that presented in the best way possible needs to be needs to be a goal. So there's no doubt about it. Needs to be a goal. Um, so yeah, that I, we will try to emphasize on uh, to make that happen. And yeah, so um, I also would say. Thirdly, I would really love to see um, maybe one or two days more in the competition. Just uh, that is not everything is so cramped um, that you get a little bit more time to spend with everybody that, that's at the tournament um, so that you maybe don't have two, three, four, five, ga like on a three, four, five games in a day. Maybe you just have one game a day in, from your team and then you can use the other time to watch other teams to interact with other teams, to interact with spectators, to interact with press, um, have more of a of a stretch in the tournament. But that can only happen if we expand, and expansion of days is always complicated. It is relating to costs, relating to organizational effort. It's uh, I will open up some doors um, for me, which the workload then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, would expand a bit, but we'll have to be careful with these doors to open. But it's always in the spirit of trying to make the tournament better. And um, yeah, so I think that's possible. I think even with a low budget, 
it's it's always possible with enough heart and with enough spirit and with enough effort you can make the tournament better and i'm striving towards that because i've like an inner i don't know i don't know where it comes from i've just an inner motivation to make this sport um as good as possibly as good as is possible because i just i have to i'm sorry <laughs> go for it no go for it yeah I don't know why it hasn't taken off in a in a huge um, in a huge way. I mean, it, dodgeball has taken off to a certain extent, but not in a huge way that everybody knows. Ah, that's dodgeball. That's a sport. So that's that's a goal I want to reach. I want to reach that if I meet a person and I ask him, a random person on the street, and I ask him what is dodgeball, that the answer is not. I don't know. I want him to say, yeah, that's a sport. So. I'm not sure how to reach it, but I, I I want to reach that. So, and in my mind, dodgeball has the same components as football slash soccer does, um, and that rarely other sports have. And those two components are: it has very easy access. You can play it almost anywhere, right. but it's complex enough that you have good teams and bad teams, and that you have competition, and that you get good through training and. If you don't train, you don't get good. So, so this complexity that that exists in the game of dodgeball, combined with the easy access of it, uh, is something I don't see in many sports. Um, because if you want to play basketball, you need to have a hoops. You need to have a, a, a surrounding that matters. You, you cannot just go into any sports hall and play basketball. If they don't have hoops, you can't play basketball. Right. Um, but you can go in any sports hall and play dodgeball instantly. Um, and that's something, and you don't even have to have big ones. I mean, if you go in a sports hall, like in many sports halls and try to play volleyball, the ceiling is not high enough, uh, especially in poorer countries, but you can play dodgeball. So the access is really good. And that's why I, I think it has a huge potential. Um, yeah. So I would like to see, um, to come back to the point, to say to see and that's that's the final point i would say for croatia i would really like to see dodgeball explode in croatia before during and after the tournament so that that would be also one goal because they have a really good group and the head of the organization vladimir he's really really good guy um very positive um very uh, also passionate uh, about the sport, about creating, about bringing this to a level where it's accepted as a as a real sport, and I would really would feel very very happy for him if this tournament could really boost his national program, can bring excitement to to the to the to the country of Croatia and to the people of their of their organization, and uh, if the outcome is that. I don't know. Twenty more people in Croatia start playing dodgeball just because of that tournament. Then I'm then I'm happy. I think we'd all be happy for that for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> um, let's shout out, let's shout them out. Um, who are the people behind the scenes at Dodgeball Netherlands that made this possible? What are their names? Yeah, let's give so, them their, their moment uh, in the sun. Yeah, so there, there are there are a couple, obviously, um, doing different parts. Uh, the main, the main, uh, main. So some people, uh, I, I won't categorize them. So that would be unfair because everybody had their fair share uh, right. of what they contributed to the tournament and what they have done preparing and during the tournament and afterwards. So um, we're gonna start with Peter, Peter Boomer. He. Uh, uh, runs the organization. He was in charge of the live streaming. He was uh, one of my uh, main contacts for 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 many details. So definitely shout out to him. Uh, Kuhn Anthony uh, also very important. Handled all the finances. Uh, was ever was good with coordinating the hotels, um, the transfers, that kind of stuff. Uh, Leon. Uh, was 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 in charge of the uh, was tournament directing, in charge of the competition. Put a lot of effort into it, really trying to um, make anything happen to our regulations, to our standards, to of the quality of the tournament that we wanted to have. Uh, always had an open ear for everything. Uh, it doesn't matter the time. Could be one in the morning. Could be like I don't know during the day. So really really good to work with him. Um, 
uh, who, who am I forgetting at the moment? Janus, Janus Optenbrau, really good. Uh, also player, uh, was really helpful in, in the organization. Mike was helpful in the organization. And all the other guys who I'm forgetting, I'm sorry. Uh, they had a bunch of people running around in blue shirts. Really, if you ask them anything, it's like, hey, I lost my water bottle. They would just run and get it for you. It doesn't matter where you lost it. Or if you say like, hey, the stream is down. Can you check it? instantly done so again i think it would work really smoothly obviously first time for them hosting hosting an international competition uh, had to learn a lot had to get used to stuff maybe there was one or two things that didn't were um, on the highest of levels but that's fine so that happens i think everybody was really grateful for the tournament everybody was satisfied with them and um, the learning process will help them and they will now make other competitions they will now make maybe another international competition with this experience and uh, really really uh, help the sport grow and hopefully we can we can transfer the knowledge that we learned here uh, also over to croatia it would be it will be also for the croatian guys and for vladimir it will be uh, the first real big international tournament to host um, so yeah, it, we will be going through all that once again and trying to 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 move the level up and up and up and up and then see where we can be in three to five years. For sure.